Now, Scotland's talking. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. A very good morning. I'm Ali Bally. Welcome to Scotland's Talking. On the programme today, has listening to the heroic stories of the D-Day veterans this week made you think differently about our modern-day worries? It's a world away from heading towards the beaches of Normandy in a landing craft. All I was concerned is keeping my head down and obeying the orders. And if they say she jump, you jumped. I mean, you couldn't please yourself. Even the Queen seemed to be making a point in her speech to veterans. The wartime generation, my generation, is resilient and I'm delighted to be with you in Portsmouth today. Also on the programme, Edinburgh has been named as the worst city in the UK for traffic jams. Is it time to bring in a congestion charge or indeed get rid of the bus lanes? More and more road space has been put over to cycling and walking and to buses. That's fine, but it only works if people are coming out of their cars. They don't seem to be doing that yet. More from a motoring expert coming up. And Scotland's teachers say they're doing too much overtime. It does lead to higher levels of stress, poorer work-life balance, and ultimately that can lead to mental health issues for teachers or it can lead to burnout. And I'll be asking how much sympathy you have for them. And would you have sent the former MP Natalie McGarry for jail for embezzlement? The group she stole tens of thousands of pounds from is telling us that's not the answer. What benefit to society is there of sending someone to a custodial sentence who is not a physical danger? All coming up on Scotland's Talking, of course. Music and conversation for a Sunday morning. I'm Ali Bally. Then the phone number if you'd like to join us, 033 2020 401. Sunday morning means Scotland's Talking. We start off today looking at uh, back a few days to D-Day and everything that you've probably watched, some of the coverage of the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Hundreds of veterans in their 80s and 90s took part in ceremonies on both sides of the channel. 10,000 men died on that first day as the Allies fought for a toehold in Normandy before going on to liberate Western Europe from the Nazis. As you listen to the stories of what they did 75 years ago, I wonder, does it put a, a sort of new perspective on the things that we worry about in 2019? When we hear about mental health crisis or fret about the impact of social media, debate what we're going to do about our sugar intake. Jock Hutton is 94 and he's from Stirling. He was one of the troops who landed by parachute ahead of the invasion fleet. And last week, he jumped from a plane again, strapped to one of the Red Devils team. We landed in the dark and going towards Ronville, the... I could see movement at the side. The Germans were firing from sidecars at us. But they, could, they were just going for, for random shots. Just because it was very difficult to pick us up. We had the clickers, you know, the, the things for, for, you know, for people to be recognizable in the dark. Huh. And the French, were they happy? The French. Well, they, they, they thought we were German soldiers on an exercise, initially. But as soon as they realised, as soon as we got close to Ronville, because, remember, our main target was to get to Ronville and put on mortar positions before first light. And then we had a, a naval guy jumped with us that night who 
who was our forward observation man, and he got right in the high ground, and he, uh, that allowed us to slam some mortar shells down first light, huh. and it caused a few brown underpants amongst the jerrys, you know. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but. Uh, the French people, they were happy to see you. Oh, yes. But the Calvados was highly dangerous because they rushed outside the Calvados. They said, I'm a boy yet. But I soon arrived at manhood. It stunted my growth, all this jumping. 94-year-old <laughs> Jock Hutton from Stirling. He was one of the troops who landed by parachute ahead of the invasion fleet. And last week he jumped again, as I say, strapped to one of the Red Devils team. Joe Beersley was in one of the hundreds of small landing craft that day. We were giving a lecture about what to expect. You'll be woken up uh, three o'clock in the morning. That's D-Day. You don't take your clothes off. You only take your boots off. Don't forget to leave your letter on the pillow. On the way in, we had a stern sea. That meant we were being pushed. We are going to get there ahead of time. That was going through your mind. There were 20-foot waves. One minute you could see ahead. The next minute you're down in, in a gully. Orders were, you do not stop and pick any uh, injured. Your job is to... Drop your troops on your sp- on the spot which you designated, and then return. Joe Beersley with his thoughts. Eric Carter served in the Royal Marines. He's nine now, now ninety four. They just put us in landing crafts. The only thing about it is the, the sea was a bit choppy, and uh, and um, most of us was getting a bit seasick. But I was glad to get ashore. And then the coxswain jammed, jammed the uh, ramp onto, on, onto the sand and we had to walk about a quarter of a mile up to where is seawater. And that's how it was for about two days. All you got to worry about is keeping your rifle dry. The only, the only other thing I think of is when the Canadians landed, they landed with bicycles. And of course, when they realised, the time we got up the beach, they realised that... Um, Bicycle was no good. I was just chucking them down, and the French were coming and picking them up. <laughs> they got a free bike. To be quite honestly, I never give, give it a thought. All I was concerned was keeping my head down and obeying the orders. You had a sergeant or with you and a, an officer, yeah. and if they actually jump, you jumped. I mean, you couldn't please yourself. That's it, really, wasn't it? They they obeyed the orders. They went out there and did what they were told. So, again, uh, as I was saying earlier, when you think of our modern-day worries, totally different worries, of course, um, do you think that we, we maybe just look a, a wee bit too much into the problems that we have? Things like, you know, oh, the the old climate change and um, losing weight because we're all getting obese, uh, too much sugar here, doing this, all the things that we seem to worry about or are being told we should worry about anyway. Um, what do you, what is your thoughts on that? Here's the number, 033-2020-401. If, if you've got uh, a thought or indeed we would like to say uh, say something, you know, then, and, and if, yes, give us a call. 
Scotland's Talkin, the podcast. John, good morning to you. Good morning, Ali. How are you, my friend? I'm okay, thank you. I'm okay. Right, so you're first on today. What's the thoughts? Yes, my thoughts are on uh, the war heroes of the, the, the country and the way that our ambassadors, our MPs, and our Prime Minister stand there and make all these fancy speeches about what they've done for us and what they've done for the country. And then in the same token, they're the very ones that tax our pensions, they tax everything they ever got. And at the end of the day, Ali, all their hard work, how does it, how is it repaid? All their loyalty. When they take no well and have to go into a nursing home, they take their house off and they pay for it. Mm. This is the reality of this country. We have helped the heroes because they will no pay for the war heroes who are in this country. They they had and they, they hung their head and ignored the fact that guys were coming back for the front with mental illness. For years they thought that before they gave them any money. It's about time, Ali, that they, they, they thought about the people before it's too late. It's about time they started treating them like human beings instead of the way they're treating them now. But it's not just people from uh, that era, is it? I mean, it's, it's, it's also, if we look at modern wars, uh, people coming back, soldiers, um, people who've been in the forces, men and women coming back with mental health issues. Again, uh, the government seemed to um, bury their heads in the sand for so long about the, the problems that people were coming back with. They don't want to know, Ali. They want, they want the people of this country to fight in arms and go and give up their, their limbs and their arms and all the rest of it. And it's the same old story. As soon as they're done and dusted, you're no needed anymore. It's like becoming a pensioner. As soon as you become a pensioner, you're no needed anymore. Away you go. We don't want to know you. Mm, you're yeah. living too long. That's the attitude of this country, Ali, and these people make me sick when they stand there and say, oh, what a great job they've done. And they've done a, of course they've done a wonderful job. They give up their life for this country, and this country gives up nothing for them, Ali. It's time it changed, and it's time somebody in the political front started making a, a stand for these people, for all the old people of this country. It's not going to happen, is it? It's all well, about. It's all about. Not, not just because there's nobody got the nerve to do it. All these two-faced politicians are all wanting the brownie points for standing there. The prime minister standing there telling us how, how what a wonderful job they've done, and she's one of the very ones that's, that's, that's caused all this. Mm-hmm. Never mind your nuclear bombs and all the rest. They look after these people. Get it sorted. Because see, at the end of the day, Ali. If the day ever comes again when they want people to stand up in their arms, are they going to be there when they see the way they're getting treated? I don't think so. OK, John, thank you very much. Kicks us off today. If you agree or disagree with John, uh, various ways you can get in touch. You can send me a text. The text number is 61054. Start your message with Ali. You can email ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. Of course, the phone lines are there. That's why we call it Scotland's Talking. And the number is 033 2020 401. And of course, if you're a twit and you do Twitter, then we're hashtag Scotland's Talking. Uh, any comments about any of the subjects we're talking about, or indeed if you want to talk about something else, that's fine by me. Uh, just get in touch. I must admit, when you look at the headlines in the, the press today, 
and over the last couple of days. If your name's Michael Gove, and you, you know, considering he's a former journalist, his wife's a journalist, he's got PR campaigns going, he must be this morning fairly pleased with himself. Surely. His job and his job of his campaign team is to make sure that he gets as much publicity as possible during this time that he's running for the Prime Minister's job or the head, anyway, of the Conservative Party. And by coming out and saying that he, he did drugs, you know, and he regrets it deeply, of course he does, he's hit every newspaper for the last three days. He's been on the telly, the story's on the telly, it's on the radio news bulletins. Michael Gove is everywhere. And I think when you see the rest of his, um, those that are up against him coming out and saying, yeah, I did drugs as well. It's like a panic, isn't it? Oh, look at the publicity Michael Gove's getting. We better say, yeah, me too. They've been as well just doing a hashtag me too. Yeah, yeah, that, I, I did drugs as well. So it's, it's, I think um, Michael Gove should be sort of looking. Uh, he will be looking at himself this morning and thinking, well, that's been good. I've, I've hogged the headlines for three days. Um, and I've admitted to it, so it's out the way. So should anybody ever dig that up in the past, it's out the way now. But would he make a good prime minister because of that? I heard somebody saying, one of the uh, members of the Conservative Party on, on news the other day, that they, they respected him for it. Fine, that's great, you know, but would he make a good prime minister for that? That's another subject we could talk about. If you've got a view, then, as I say, love to hear from you. Or treble three twenty twenty four oh one is the number. Uh, Jimmy Sword, Jimmy, thanks for getting in touch. He's uh, on the text here. He said, it's a different world today. And if we needed the young to step forward, I'm sure they would. But we do live in different times. So trying to compare is what he's saying. Um, 75 years ago as to what we go through at the moment is different altogether. So uh, thank you very much indeed for for getting in touch on that. Um, I'd like to also ask you this question today. What's your answer to solving the traffic crisis in Scotland's capital? Edinburgh has topped the list as the most congested city in the UK, with a survey showing drivers spend the equivalent of seven days a year in tailbacks. So I suppose the question is, is it time for radical steps? Last month, the City Council refused to rule out bringing back the idea of a congestion charge. A scheme was rejected by locals 14 years ago. But if you are a resident of Edinburgh, would you vote differently today if you were given the chance by a council, the council in Edinburgh to vote on the congestion charge? Would you now go for it? Our chief reporter, Hope Webb, has been discussing the issues with Neil Gregg from the IAM Road Smart charity and started by asking him if he was surprised by the study. I'm afraid not, and I'm afraid lots of other Edinburgh drivers will not be surprised to find that Edinburgh is now topping the uh, uh, topping a table they don't want to be top of, which is that for the most congested city in the whole of the UK, even even ahead of London, uh, which is famous for its congestion. And as I say, it's no surprise because things have been getting worse and worse in Edinburgh, uh, and I don't see the council doing that much to provide extra capacity, particularly for cars. Do you think it's our road network and, and maybe the layout that we have in place, that the current systems that we have, that is kind of aiding itself to to this 
Well, I think that there's a lot of things going on. Edinburgh is, is a very successful city, so there's a lot more traffic because of that success. But what the council haven't been able to do is to break that link between extra economic activity and people going out and wanting to buy and use their cars more. And despite the tram, despite the bus service improvements, people still want to use their cars, just no matter how congested, how slow it gets. And I think the problem is we have had seen no new road capacity in Edinburgh for a long, long time. And in fact, the road capacity is going down as more and more road space is being put over to cycling and walking and to buses. That's fine, but it only works if people are coming out of their cars to get on those buses or to walk or cycle. They don't, they don't seem to be doing that yet. And we know that congestion, you know, studies have shown in the past that congestion has a massive impact on, on businesses, on the economy, on people's health even. Absolutely. I mean, certainly we're wor- we'd be worried about the air-, air quality issues around congestion because people don't want to be sat in traffic. They're-, they're-, they're using their cars because they feel they have to. They feel they have no viable alternative. And for many people, you know, the bus and the tram in particular aren't viable alternatives. That They don't go where they want to go at the places and the times they want to go. So that does bring you back to using the car. People don't want to be in, con- in congested conditions, adding to air quality problems. And it is potentially slowing down the economy as well because we're wasting time, we're inefficient. You know, Edinburgh's a success, but it could be even more successful if its traffic was flowing smoother. How do we encourage people to get out of their cars then? Like you say, you know, we've got some of those systems in place, like the trams, like a, a quite a highly rated bus service. What, what do we do to get people out of their cars and using that? Well, I think the missing link is to actually be talking to to drivers, actually engage with drivers. We've got this issue in Edinburgh, I think, of sort of them and us culture. It all seems to be anti-car. I don't think it actually is. But if you look at what we've got in Edinburgh, we've got great bus services. Perhaps they're not going to the right places at the right time. The tram is very limited and it only has one route at the moment. Uh, And, of course, we're seeing cycling and walking being encouraged without actually spending any real money on on safer cycle tracks uh, across the whole city. So if you want to get people out of their cars, you have to talk to people, find out what it is that's making them use the car, despite the fact they're sitting in congestion all the time, and engage with drivers and come up with services that actually offer an alternative. Right, so there's uh, Neil Grigg from the IEM Road Smart charity uh, telling us his thoughts on the congestion that uh, is, is happening in Edinburgh at the moment. Once again, saying that uh, Edinburgh has topped the list as the most congested city in the UK. So if you are an Edinburgh resident or indeed um, an Edinburgh motorist who has to use their car or use your car every day to go into Edinburgh, uh, my sympathies are with you. Uh, <laughs> would you welcome the congestion charge if it was to be talked about again? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, treble three twenty twenty. 401. Um, and I, I just, you know, pick up there on, on something Neil said, that they were not moving out of our cars. That doesn't surprise me. There's a lot of talk by politicians about um, getting the roads clearer and, and, you know, using the buses and using the trains. And uh, it, it just, yeah, but lot, and that's what it is, talk. Last night, just, just an experience, I was thinking about this coming back. Um, I was on a train coming back from Glasgow, was on the Aberdeen train last night. Now, I expected it to be busy. I expected it to be busy going down as well, but it wasn't. And ScotRail have put the big trains on that they said they would. They, you know, and the managing director was on the last time he was on the programme, said we would see a difference. And certainly, I can say there was a big difference on the trains that, were, that are now using that line. They're using the, the intercity trains, the big ones, uh, the comfortable ones, not the three carriages, etc. Okay? 
So, coming back last night and going down, I was surprised that there weren't more people on the train from uh, going down for the football. And here's the problem. The football match finishes, what was it, around about half past nine last night. The last train leaving Glasgow, heading north to places like Stirling, Perth, Dundee, Aberdeen, leaves at 20 to 10. So it was impossible for people to go to the football match by train and get home again. Why is there no joined up thinking? Surely, I, I, I came back in the train last night with these long carriages, very comfortable. I was the only one in the carriage all the way home. It was just, you know, I wasn't at the football, obviously. But others who are coming out of the football, they're just coming out of Hamden when the last train went, gone, heading north. Surely, when you've got a large train like that, it's maybe just my head thinking, you could be making money here. It was a long journey home, you know, so I'm thinking, all these empty seats, if it had just been delayed or an extra train put on, surely, or or indeed, the SFA had started the match earlier. That might have made sense, because, again, the kickoff being at the time that it was, is great if you live in the Central Belt, if you live in Glasgow or whatever, you know, you get a train home to Edinburgh, that's great, but the rest of Scotland, you know, the thing, it wasn't a sellout match, well, you know, it's it's not convenient. Just my thoughts. I mean, am I alone? Is it, why is there no joined up thinking? Why is there no trains home after a football match? And why is a football match being played on a Saturday night at a time that it finishes when a lot of the majority of Scotland wouldn't be able to get home? Can we knock some heads together? Or just employ me and I'll sort it out. Donald, good morning. Good morning, Ali. Can I, can I just say something about the traffic in Edinburgh Alley? You can. Never no, no mind the parking charges because, what is it? But, but I think you should ban the cars in, the, cars in Edinburgh Alley. Ban the cars the in Edinburgh? Ban the cars As, in Edinburgh, right? Okay. Yes. Why? Because the, the, because that's what's making the hold up Alley. It's just, it's just a, 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 a just, it's just a disgrace, Sally, it's saying, because yesterday, now, when I was in Flinders Street on Friday, now, I was on a bus, and the traffic was terrible, mm-hmm. because the, 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 it's just, the cars, it's just a disgrace, Sally. Right, ban the cars, says Donald. It's an interesting one. Thank you for that. Uh, here's one that comes in, it says, re the congestion charge is just another tax, Ali. Edinburgh Council created the congestion with the road narrowing, bus lanes, etc., etc. They don't like the cars in Edinburgh, the councillors. This time, they will not vote on it. They will just implement it, even though the people do not want it. It's another tax. One zone in London alone makes £220,000 a day. Councillors in Edinburgh will be tempted. Thank you for that. Stephanie! Uh, hi, good morning. Good Alex. morning to you. On the odd occasion, uh, I managed to speak on the talking uh, because I'm on holiday. I've heard the issues going on about the um, congestion in Edinburgh, and we're now uh, the country's most congested city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't agree with uh, going as far as banning all cars, but thinking of ways of reducing uh, the traffic. 
maybe uh, the congestion charge might be a bit of a deterrent. Deterrent. What, rather than bring, bringing your car, not bringing your car in, you mean? Yeah. Mm. And also, I've often asked uh, the question with all these cars: uh, who uh, wants a car and who actually needs a car? If you're a rep, if you're doing something like that where you have to travel, yes, you will need a car. But if you've only got uh, like a short trip to go, um, then uh, possibly not. Maybe you but if, if, you, if, you're, if you've got a family, you've got to take the kids here, yeah, there and everywhere. Most, yeah, most, most yeah. people, if they want a car, why, can't they, why, why are you anti-car? Uh, I'm not totally anti-car, Ali, uh, I have to say that. I'm just trying to think of ways of reducing the uh, the traffic. Mm-hmm. And if I agree to one of the things that the uh, last caller said, uh, that um, these cars that are on the road, sometimes um, when they could use a bus, they're the ones who are holding the buses up. I, I agree with that. I'm not sure about banning bus lanes completely, but mm-hmm. they'll have to do something to uh, try and reduce uh, all this traffic. And I, and, agree and with what you, I agree with what you were saying as well about getting, um, putting it together, a, a proper transport system. Yeah, you, you see, if I, was, yeah, if I was in charge of a company, a rail company, or indeed, uh, yeah, a rail company or a bus company or whatever, and I had a train that was heading back from Glasgow to Aberdeen, empty on a Saturday night. When there are, yeah. and you know, when I went down yesterday afternoon, it was empty. If I was in charge of that company, I'd be looking at ways that I could make money from it. All these empty seats, and even though it was, you know, a combined offer of getting your football ticket and indeed your rail ticket and making the trains available for when the football came out, they were right back up the, the road again, stopping at the main stations. You'd be making uh, yeah, money. It, ju- it just seems, you know, that it, there's no, no joined-up thinking. But again, yeah. that could ju- is very much like the Edinburgh Council. You're saying there's no joined-up thinking there. That's right, there isn't. But the future plans that they're coming up with, hopefully, may um, help. I won't say there'll ever be a cure to uh, the traffic now, but uh, it may help if they uh, did a combined uh, traffic system. See where I live. I mean, we've uh, no wonder so many people around here want cars or have them because we've got a, a rubbish bus service. Mm. And uh, we're trying and trying to get that improved. We don't have a bus service on a Sunday, which is absolutely ridiculous. It is, isn't it? That, that's that's it, all, it all comes down to money, money, yes, money. As yeah. we said at our meeting uh, on Tuesday night, our council is trying with loading buses, but she's not holding much hope about getting an improved service. And I said at that meeting, yeah, it's just money, money, money. Well, that is exactly what's happening because the the Scottish government are not giving the councils the money. According to the Scottish government, they're not getting it from Westminster. The councils are withdrawing um, uh, money that has been given to bus companies on certain routes. The bus companies are saying, well, we can't afford to run this because it's not being used enough for it to make a profit. So they just cancel it. Interesting. Thank you very much indeed, Steph. Uh, We'll go to Stephen right after these. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. Good morning, Stephen. 
Morning, Ali. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Right. Is it congestion charge you're going to comment on? I'm going to comment on the congestion charge, but I'd like a quick point that none of your listeners, callers, fail to mention, Ali, but the poor folk in the law. They must remember the ones that went, Ali, and never come back. Mm. The ones that were lying in unmarked graves above the ground in, in the land and the other ones at the bottom of the sea. There was people killed, women and children caught up in both sides of this war, lying dead during the blitz. One man's ego takes over the world. Let us know for, and they don't even know, Ali, if we've the won, the war was won or lost. That mm. was just, I like to say, the poor ones that never come back. They never came back, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but other than that, the congestion charge. I've listened to the congestion charge and con- congestion as a whole in all major cities, not just Edinburgh. Edinburgh's quite lucky as a city. It's open spaces. No, the buses, no, the traffic, the fumes just go way up into the sky. We don't get into the missions in the ozone layer rally. But you get into the city of Glasgow, there's narrow, narrow streets in there, and it's congested day and night. And Glasgow must be one of the worst cities in Europe for congestion at a certain time and also for pollution. Mm-hmm. What they should be doing, Ali, is, is people are getting lazy. They don't want to walk the length of their arm. This is a problem we've got. They want to go from one bus stop to the next bus stop especially these free bus tickets I've got. That's, that's a, another thing that's causing congestion. Too many folk are using them and should take them away. I've been taking the buses out of these city centres and there's 44 corners of Glasgow. North, uh, you could bin big car parks in there or bus terminals in the four corners and people walk into that city, pedestrianise all these cities, Ali. That's the way I'd be going with that and folk... You've killed two birds with a one stone, you'll get the weight off the Mali. Folk will be fitter. And folk, I think, would actually be happier, Ali. You would actually... That, that's what's wrong. You would ban the bus passes? I would ban the, ban the bus passes, and I would also ban... I would also ban all traffic. I know you've got delivery drivers, you've got taxi drivers, but folk, deliveries into shops at certain times, but I would pedestrianise them all, ban the bus passes, and ban bus terminals in four corners. That's basically what I would do there. And another thing I would do, I would I'll leave out the wee freeze and on these islands that they all laugh. See, Sunday, I would shut everything down, Ali. Ban the buses. Just ban need to be public transport. Just shut it down. That's, that's the way I would go. Let's have a free day, Ali. There's no traffic. Peace and quiet. It's not about money here. It's, it's, money doesn't come into the equation here. Right. I think the, the, shop, the shops would be more vibrant if people could walk about in there. You're not, there'd be less people killed. How many folks have been killed this year in the city of Glasgow, Ali? Eight. The buses and cars. Folk try to cross the road. I just ban them. And, and the bus passes. That's just a... That's laughable. Folk jumping a bus, a free bus pass, and you're subsidising councils and big, big businesses where folk can go to their work. Over six and a free bus pass. But I can't. Me and Mrs McGinty with the three wings. Can't you get the door? No. There's a lot of things in here today with your transport issues. It's all wrong, Ali. I would just I'm in charge of the transport. I would ban a lawyer. I'm just so glad you're not in charge of the transport. You never know, Ali. The end of the day, you know, you've got a bus pass, Ali. I don't agree with the folk over a, it's wealthy on bus passes. It's been many tested. There's loads of issues in here, Ali. But no, I would just uh, ban the buses, all public transport on a Sunday, and put in bus car parks or, or bus terminals in all these cities right. to every bus route and folk, folk walk. 
Okay, Stephen, thank you very much. I'm not going to go too much into the arguments, but don't agree with the bus passes. And I certainly don't agree with pedestrianising all the city centres. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Uh, we've been talking so far, if you have just joined us, good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for your company. You're an hour late, but we'll let you off. Um, we've been talking today about the 75th anniversary of D-Day and uh, when we hear the stories of what they did 75 years ago, does it put a new perspective on things that we worry about in 2019? Uh, so thanks for your thoughts on that so far. You can still comment on that. Uh, one in here that says, uh, John, this was John earlier. Uh, this says, uh, John was spot on. The government simply is soulless. Total greed. They all need exposed and not one single one of them are transparent. Our old war heroes forgotten and left to rot. Thank you very much for that. Uh, we were also, of course, uh, talking about the congestion charge, uh, which has got a few people calling in and with some comments as well uh, regarding the possible congestion charge in Scotland. And this is on the back of the fact that Edinburgh has topped the list as the most congested city in the UK, with a survey showing drivers spend the equivalent of seven days a year in tailbacks. And I'm asking, is it time for a radical step... Do we need to change? Do we need to to bring back the idea of a congestion charge uh, in the city of Edinburgh as our capital? Surprised about a couple of um, comments on social media uh, already and saying that there are far too many tourists in Edinburgh. How can you get too many tourists? That that puzzles me. I must admit, you know. Um, so that is, but it's all about opinions, and I welcome yours. But, uh, you know, yeah, there are too many tourists and they, you know, they make the city crowded. Yeah, but they're spending money. That's that's what Edinburgh is. It attracts tourists. There'd be other cities and towns across Scotland that wish they could get half of it and that people just wouldn't go to Edinburgh. They'd look at other places as well. So I, I don't get that. You know, there are too many tourists. But I've had a couple of comments saying that. Thank you. Um Stephanie, who was on earlier, says, you cut me off and I didn't get a chance to make an important point. Well, we should have got to it then. You were waffling. Anyway, she says that if surveys were done to find out whether an improved bus service would be used, perhaps bus companies would listen and offer a better service and more people would use the buses. Well, surveys are carried out by councils and bus companies and things. And if you see empty buses going back and forward, surely you have to think to yourself, well, you know, it's it's okay. It's 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 not there for the once every three weeks that I'm going to use it. It's just not good enough. They've got to make money. I know, I know, but that's the cruel world that we live in. Companies are there to make money. No longer do the councils run buses. They are companies that run them and they have to make a profit. Um, you know, Stephen says get rid of bus passes and pedestrianise city centres. Um, here's one from Marlon Cameron that says... What an idiot that guy Stephen is. No, he just has different views. Uh, I hope when he is of an age to get a bus pass or a pension, he'll refuse it. You know, I think he probably would. He says, get rid of the bus passes. What are your thoughts? Seeing that would make any difference? And and that would trap some people, surely, um, who use the bus pass on a regular basis, who use it to get into the town or use it to to go for a day trip somewhere. Surely that would cause a problem for them I don't think Stephen's thought that one through but then again, maybe I'm wrong and assuming that tell us what you think, if you want to comment on any of those particular topics, and I'd love to hear from you 
2020. 401 is the number. You can text 61054. Start your message with Ali. You can email ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk and hashtag us on Scotland's Talking. Next subject we'll be coming up to is the case this week regarding uh, the former MSP, Natalie McGarry. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking. Eleanor, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Um, What's your point? The man that was on about saying remove bus passes. Yes. How many bus drivers would be redundant if they did? And the House of Lords want to take the pensioners' passes away, but they are now wanting to get another £175 pay a day on top of the £305, which is all tax-free. It seems a very unfair world. It does, doesn't it? When I when I read or heard the other... Well, it was this week, wasn't it, they were talking about the, their daily pay is not enough. Um, but I heard that, and, I, and my mind did go back to when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, about uh, the House of Lords wanting to get rid of uh, bus passes, etc. I, I thought to myself, you know, talk about um, a brass neck. They really have. They really have. Well, if they get the rise, it'll give them £70,000 a year for 150 days' work. Mm. Mm. Not bad if you can get it. Not bad work if you can get it, I suppose. But bus passes, I think you're making a good point there as well, that um, the bus travel, people using buses, would would go down if the bus pass was, was withdrawn. Well, thinking all the people that do volunteer work in their elder, older years, mm-hmm. they maybe wouldn't be able to afford to go the times that they um, arranged to go because they would have to pay... Maybe, I don't know how much a week. And it's not just that. The pension that we do pay our pensioners is one of the lowest in Europe. And therefore, the bus pass makes up a wee bit more of it, doesn't it? It gives you that bit extra. Yes. Okay, Eleanor, go on, make make your final point. They also want to take the winter fuel allowance away from us in the House of Lords. Mm. Never mind. Anyway, that's it. Thank you, thank you very much. Right, as you say, House of Lords looking at it in a, a different way. So, um, interesting. If bus passes were to be taken away, how many bus drivers would be made redundant? But it wasn't um, uh, the House of Lords this week that were talking about taking the bus passes away. It was Stephen on his call earlier. How much sympathy do you have with teachers and their complaints of being overworked? I'll be asking that question in a moment. But, first of all, Would you have sent the former Glasgow MP Natalie McGarry to prison for embezzlement? She's been given 18 months after being found guilty of stealing £25,000 from pro-independence groups. While she was treasurer of Women for Independence, she transferred money to her own accounts and used it to fund her lifestyle, including a holiday to Spain and paying her rent. Some of the money was meant for a local food bank. In court, her defence lawyer explained that she suffered from anxiety and depression over the years and had a miscarriage just days before she was sentenced. But that cut no ice with the sheriff. Do you think he did the right thing? I have to admit, when I heard the sentence coming through, I thought 
Um, that was I don't know whether it was too severe, but I did think I didn't expect it to be 18 months. But do you think the sheriff did the right thing? Our senior reporter Natalie Crawford asked Maggie Lennon from Women for Independence for her reaction to the sentence. We're very glad the whole thing is over um, for everyone involved. It's been an extremely stressful time for all the witnesses. Um, we obviously were not in any position to influence the sheriff on the sentencing diet, nor would we seek to, but we are on record as an organisation of campaigning to try and keep women out of prison. Um, the kind of offending that women do tends to mean, in our view, that there's very little reason for people to have custodial sentences. One has to wonder whether sending anyone to prison unless they are a physical danger to society is beneficial from the cost point of view. Now, you are a victim of this crime, but you have also expressed some frustration that Natalie McGarry has been jailed. Why is that? It's a huge amount of money, um, and it's not a victimless crime. The people that donated that money were women and men across Scotland, some for whom, you know, a fiver in a bucket or a £10 on uh, through PayPal was quite a sacrifice. Um, and so our heart goes out to them because it's the betrayal of trust. But I say again, we as a society have to think what benefit to society is there of sending someone to a custodial sentence who is not a physical danger to society. But there are many things I suspect have come out, obviously not in the trial because the trial didn't take place, but in mitigation and in the evidence that has made this sheriff decide that that is the best route for her. It's certainly sending out a very clear message. Um, perhaps, and, I, and this is pure conjecture because I, I don't know, I don't know the sheriff, um, perhaps he feels that people who are in public office should be held to higher standards than other people. So that was um, Natalie Crawford there talking to Maggie Lennon from Women for Independence and giving us her reaction to the sentence. So do you think it was um, it was too severe or indeed would she have received this amount of publicity had she not been uh, a former MP and should more should she have realised that more was expected of her uh, being in that office as an MP and 18 months um, a sentence was the right one to give. I'm just looking at a comment coming up here on social media um, which just says, Magari got what any other person would have got and no reason not to. Okay, thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, but if you have a thought on it, here's the number, 0333 2020 401. Now let's go on the phone lines. Philip's here. Hello, Philip. How do you, Ali? I'm fine, thank you. Right, what are you going to talk us through then? Well, the, the, this... Lady Natalie McGarry, what could, what can one say about her? Eh? She's hardly covered herself in glory, has she? Well, um, I think from the start, you know, when you know, I'm I'm guilty. No, I'm not guilty. Can I withdraw it? No, I can't. Yeah, and, and... yeah you can. <laughs> well, it's your show. You can do what you like. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, do you think it was the right sentence, or should someone um, who's in a position like that with uh, a young child? You know, like um, Maggie Lennon from Women for Independence was saying, you know, is it going to serve any purpose, her being locked up? It's punishment, Ali. She's she's committed a crime. Mm -hmm. She's embezzled funds. She's spent money that wasn't hers. That is theft. Theft is a crime. You have to be punished. 
commit a crime, you get punished for it. That's it, the long and the short of it. Yeah, yeah. So no sympathy there at all, as far as you're concerned, the sentence was the correct one? What makes it all the worse, Ali, this woman was, was uh, in a position of trust. Mm-hmm. Not, not only as a, in, uh, representing a charity, but also as an MP, she was representing her constituents as well. You know, by getting involved in this sort of thing, lining her own pockets, this sort of thing, she's breached that trust. Not only to the, the, the charity which she's representing, but also her constituents. And her constituents, that they showed their outrage by forcing her to resign. Mm. Interesting comments coming up on, on Facebook here. Um, not on Facebook, on, on Twitter and um, texts, uh, you know, about this. And, and nobody, and then I'm just scanning through them as we're talking here, and I, I'm not getting anybody who's showing that um, they believe that it was the wrong sentence. Um, it, actually, it actually should have been increased, Ali. Yep. The woman got off lately, there should have been at least five years. Well, there's a couple of people saying that it wasn't enough. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if the BBC recently aired a morning programme. It was called UK Charity Cheats. And it shows that this embezzlement of charity funds, you know, it's, it's nationwide, it's widespread. And it can run into hundreds of thousands of pounds. Mm-hmm. Right? So what makes it all the worse is when I go into, into town, you know, and I see all these people collecting for charity, that sort of thing, First thing is I want to really go into my pocket, you know, put in a small change and hand it over, you know. But now, with these increasing cases, you know, that all these cheats, you know, that are lining their own pockets at charity's expenses, it's making me think again, eh? That's, that's, so I, 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 yeah. I'm giving, I'm giving this money. Is it going to the charity or mm. is it going to the a fraudster? That's a bit of a shame because the, yes, charities now are big business and, you know, the, the, the majority of charities and the majority, and they'll say this, this is National Volunteer Week, so it's, it's probably the right time to say it. The majority of volunteers who are rattling cans or who are out volunteering and maybe collecting funds, I would say 99% of them are honest people and they're out doing their bit. So you shouldn't be putting off putting in uh, a few coins in a bucket by the few you've you've heard of because um you know i i think that the majority of people the money is going straight to the charity but like you it's not just charities that there's been a big increase i don't know if you agree but i, I seem to have been seeing a big increase of people who have been uh, charged by embezzling um, benefits and that seems to be uh, on the increase as well where they're, they're claiming benefits that they're not entitled to and maybe it's the benefit system that are cracking down and uh, prosecuting more but there seems to be a lot of that uh, and that comes under the embezzlement as well it seems to be getting a, a lot more publicity well, what, what, what worries me is like, I mean, what is the motivation for the crime it's just plain naked greed it's money, yeah, it's money it's just plain naked greed. I mean, if you were actually stealing, you know, to feed yourself, you know, that sort of thing, you're not going to understand the point. But it's just selfishness. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. OK, you know, Philip. That thing is parasites, Ali. Thank you very much indeed for your comments. Thank you. Patricia. Good morning, Ali. Top of the morning um, to you. Good morning. Uh, I think we should always hold our public officials to a higher standard of conduct uh, while not forgetting our own conduct should always 
um, try to be uh, above reproach. However, I do take a, a, a slightly different view. Uh, yes, uh, the crime was not a victimless one, and it was appalling um, the way she flip-flopped, etc., etc., but I, I do think that perhaps the lady in question has over the years had a series of, shall we say, mental issues, which does not excuse her, may I say, never excuses embezzlement and that. But I sometimes think prison is sometimes seen, especially for women, as uh, 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 um, an easy option. And perhaps, in this case, uh, an alternative. I mean, she has been shamed, named and shamed, and her reputation is in shreds, uh, uh, and that, that, that public humiliation um, hopefully will have a, a lasting and telling um, effect on her. And I have to commend the ladies from the women uh, from independence who have acted in a very dignified manner. They, they have been robbed, so mm -hmm. to speak, and mm -hmm. others also um, who have put in, in the bucket. But they're, they're uh, is an exemplary uh, um, example of forgiveness. And I do think that perhaps the sheriff should have perhaps um, found an alternative because if she is vulnerable, um, I, I just looked at her and I thought there's something going on behind there and I, I, I hope that she gets the help that uh, in prison and I hope, she, you know, I don't want anything bad to happen. No, no, but no. But I, wonder, I wonder if she should be maybe on suicide watch. Maybe that's alarmist of me and I do not seek to be alarmist, but I do think speaking as a woman, you know, the fall from grace has been so bad and she does have a, a child and, I mean, it doesn't excuse her in that. She did what she did. Uh, but I do think in this day and age, um, short sentences, because it is a short sentence, 18 months, you know, does, does it have any real impact? Could perhaps a, an alternative have well, been found? As Philip you know, said... That's just my opinion, yeah. and it's all about opinions that's on it. your show. It certainly is. Let me have mine. OK, thank you very much indeed. But as I was saying, as Philip said before, it is a punishment. So, you know, that's, that's where um, she is locked away and away from her family. But thank you very much indeed, Patricia. Uh, Andrew, how are you? Good morning. I'm fine, Ali. I'm fine. I'm feeling a lot better Good. since I last spoke. So... I, I think, in fairness, Ali, I'd probably agree with the previous lady that I saw a case in the Aberdeen Evening Express here on Friday where a woman stole 10000 from a female friend. And because that, that thief was going to be starting as a, a nurse, Ali, the, the, the judge, the sheriff, rather, gave her a conditional discharge and a complete discharge, so her criminal record was clear, Ali, to allow the lady to pursue the nursing career. Now, I don't know what you do if you're the victim of theft at the scale this one happened, but I'm convinced Natalie McGarry was suffering from a form of mental illness, I would have thought, or a breakdown, depression, whatever. I'm not condoning for a second, Ali, what she's done, because she went on holiday with some of that money, I believe. But I think the Christian way, Ali, here is to quash the sentence and maybe give her some form of community and I'm, you know, community support. But she knew what she was doing. Come on, she knew she. Did. She, she was she, in there open-eyed. It's, it's all right saying this. You know, we're looking at it in rose-tinted glasses here and saying she has some issues, etc. But she knew what she was doing. She spent that money to go on holiday, money that was not hers. 
that, well, that's exactly right. It is a crime, Ali, and there should be punishment. Because I've seen many, many of these in the papers over the last few years where accountants in these oil firms have stolen hundreds of thousands, Ali. And, in, and I guess they've not all been sent to prison, but what they've done is maybe try to get the money paid back. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if Natalie McGarry will maybe strive, if she can get in an even keel one day, to do that, to pay the money back. But, you know... I would say we don't jail the right people sometimes in this blooming country, and that's you know what frustrates a lot of us. But and you don't think this was one of these situations that she should have been jailed? That's what you're saying, really. Just can't see what locking her up in jail. Will she get psychiatric help there? Will they discuss why she stole? You know, greed. Um, she was greedy. I can't she wanted. Lock- that's why she stole it. She was greedy. She wanted a suntan. Well, you could argue that, and I'm sure many, many people, I agree with your first caller that said, if that was you or me, we'd probably be sent to jail, Ali, for for embezzling from your, your kind of employers or your, your, the fundraising. Yeah, charity, to, to embezzle from a charity is... is um, it's, it's, it's not an ideal no, thing. No, I'm no. not convinced that a jail sentence will change anything here, Ali. OK, Andrew, thank you very much indeed. Morning, Tom, how are you? Hello, Ali. Good morning. First time caller, right? All I'm, right. I'm a, Welcome I'm to the programme then. Uh, oh, thank you. What's your comment? Uh, I've got, I agree with that fellow here that's just been on there saying that I think the sentence is a bit harsh for that lassie. Because what I'm going to tell you, Ali, is I'll, I'll give you a quote for the Bible. It's Sunday, eh? He or she, without sin, cast the first stone. Because I'll tell you one thing, I'll bet there's hundreds of people listening to your show the new that's put their finger in the cookie jar and took money when they were desperate or whatever, and they've got away with it. Because I'll tell you one thing, they've put that lassie to the bear pit. Because I'll tell you now, she might not serve 18 months, because I hear people saying, oh, she'll do a third of it, she'll do a quarter of it. But she's had her liberty taken away. And I'll tell you one thing, she'll not be any a better person coming out of that place. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, that's... Yeah, no, I'm listening to you. I'm listening to what you're saying. Um, Yes, I... I know she did wrong. Yeah. I know. I know, I know she did wrong. I know that, but I'll tell you one thing. You've, you've heard it years ago when you used to get people dipping into the Wembley Fund and all this carry on. When money's there and you're desperate or whatever, you'll say, oh, I'll nip in here and I'll put it back. She's got to a situation where she's over her head, before she can where she is, she's jailed. I don't think it serves any purpose getting that lassie to jail. I really don't. There's arsonists, there's rapists, there's people creating it mayhem and they're getting community orders and things like that I didn't see the the, the, the betterment of putting that lassie in the pokey for 18 months or whatever she serves in that 18 months I didn't see any justification in that whatsoever and people out there I mean there were a guy on there their own wanting to give her six five years come on give her a break OK Tam thank you very much indeed for uh, coming on and being the first time caller good Linda Clark good morning Good morning, Ali. A nice day doing here in Farsa. Is it? How are you doing? Sun shining. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, just a couple of points. I think your man just there just said, "Oh, it's I'm almost enough to say anything now." So, so, so much endorse what you said. Thank you for that. But as you well know, I've been in politics myself. I've also been in the voluntary sector for a hell of a time, and I would say there's a wee bit about good practices here within groups. Um, now, I'm certainly not going to join the bandwagon as saying that this has been a, a victimless crime. It's not. And she's well aware of that, and her life is in 
tatters. But just talk Natalie out the question for the minute. The good practices which should be within groups, any group, whether it's political, whether it's voluntary, mean that you do not have anybody being able to do this. Mm-hmm. Now, that's number one. It should never, ever happen. And we get, we're getting so much better with money. Now, I really don't want people no giving to charities because they're so dependent and vulnerable, vulnerable people are so dependent on the char- charities. Now, whether we're speaking about Natalie or anybody else, women in particular, when they've got young bairns, I do not believe that a prison sentence for this particular thing is appropriate. Now, I'm not going to speak about it. I don't know from Adam. But I just don't think it's appropriate. And I think the Women for Independence um, person that came on spoke very, very well about that. But I still believe we're all Jock Thompson's parents. We could all do things. You shouldn't ever, ever be in a position where you can do that. I've been in groups all my life and I've noticed bad practice and I've pointed it out. I've never been liked for it, but I've said it. You're putting temptation... Temptation in in the way, yeah. In the way of somebody who should never do it in the first place. Absolutely not. She will... But she's already, for the last wee while, been serving a sentence. She wouldn't be able to go any place we're having this conversation now. But one last thing, Ali. If you actually have somebody that's in the public light uh, and you're saying things like, we should expect better. No, we shouldn't. We should expect better of anybody. It's no about just because they're in the public public light. light. They're just normal people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they can succumb to temptation any time. And God forbid that we just throw people in the scrap heap. She will have learned her lesson our whole family and our friends are all in this limelight that nobody wants. That's right, yeah, yeah. So we've got to remember that. Linda, Thank good to hear from you again. Thank you very much Cheers indeed. Guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Ali. Bye-bye. Uh, if you've got a comment on that, triple three twenty twenty four zero one. How much sympathy do you have with teachers and their complaints of being overworked? The EIS union says three out of five full-time teachers are working the equivalent of an extra day or indeed more each week. They say it's affecting their family life and mental well-being. Some branches of the union would like to see the amount of time they spend teaching in class reduced to 17 and a half hours a week. The union's general secretary, Larry Flanagan, has been telling our reporter Callum Clark about the pressure they're under. Excessive workload has been a feature of teaching for a considerable number of years. Um, the fact that uh, three and five are indicating effectively that they work an extra day per week uh, is a situation that we've been well aware of. But I think the difference this year in terms of the debate at conference is that following on from the pay campaign, uh, we want to see some real progress now being made uh, in relation to this workload agenda which has been there as I indicate for some considerable time now. And what sorts of effect does this excessive workload have on on teachers themselves? It does lead to higher levels of stress, poorer work-life balance and ultimately that can lead to mental health issues for teachers or it can lead to burnout and we have seen over the past period significant number of teachers leaving the profession uh, well before retirement age. That then creates additional problems for the system, trying to make sure the classes are covered. So we need a working environment where teachers are not only well paid, but also um, are happy in their work and able to cope with the pressures. 
you know, otherwise ultimately the impact is in the classroom and on the students in our care. And the Scottish Government says that there's currently the, the highest number of full-time teachers that they've had since 2010. Why do you think teachers are reporting that they're working extra hours if this is the case? Well, the Scottish Government has been saying for the last year or so that it's the highest number of teachers, but it's also the highest number of pupils. And in fact, if you look at the pupil-teacher ratio, it has stood still over the past period. So, yes, we welcome the fact that there are more teachers, but that's simply coping with the fact that the pupil demographic is rising, has been rising through primary and is now rising uh, through secondary. What we need to do in practical terms is to actually relieve the workload pressure by A, reducing class sizes, um, and B, by looking to reduce the amount of class contact time uh, that teachers are engaged in. Both of these exercises would allow more time for preparation and correction, and would actually bring Scotland back towards yeah, an average. At the moment, we are one of the top five countries in the world in terms of the amount of time in a, in a teaching week which is spent directly in front of the classroom, and that needs to change. Our reporter Callum Clark talking there to General Secretary of the EIS, Larry Flanagan. Um, the Scottish Government says it's taking a number of actions to reduce the teacher workload. They also say there are more staff now than at any time, as I mentioned in that report there, since 2010. What are your thoughts? Should, indeed, we be um, sympathetic towards what the teachers are saying? Or do you feel that they, you know, they, they have that life that they, you know, they get the, the holidays Throughout, I'm just looking at a, a comment that's come in already and it says teachers are having a laugh, surely. Uh, I don't think there's a month in the year that they're not off. Um, and, you know, and I, and I think they should look at this again. That comes from Agnes. And she also says, as for the bus pass, I could only go out once a fortnight and couldn't afford the bus fares now. So um, I, I would be lost without my bus pass. Agnes, thank you. And thanks for your comment there on the teachers. If you have a comment, 0333-2020-401 is the number. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Okay, just dipping into some of the comments on social media. Uh, health and well-being is important to everyone in employment, and this is very important. I've little sympathy for teachers, however, given that they have the largest amount of paid holidays of most professions and are very well paid over real minimum living wage. I have more sympathy for those who are in jobs who are on zero-hour contracts uh, that people paying less than the real living wage for an honest day's work. Teachers have excellent wages, pensions, etc. And that's from Catherine. Nathan and Denise say, um, regards teachers working too much. What about hospitality staff? Teachers, they start later than us and they finish earlier than us. Hospitality workers also work weekends when they have the time off. So we've been talking about a few subjects today. Nathan's been watching Twitter as well. What have you got? Kieran. Scotty, Kieran. 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 Yeah, Kieran. No, it's okay. I, I can take Nathan. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Right, George, on you go. <laughs> so this is Mary Fagan's uh, opinion on McGarry. She says she's still from those most in need and without the basics in life to fund, amongst other things, a holiday, a luxury which the ultimate losers in this crime could only dream of. Okay, and Roderick says, I thought the crime was committed before she was an MP. Wasn't it done during the Indy campaign? And Duncan Campbell has disagreed with Stephen's earlier comments and said banning the buses in Glasgow um, wouldn't be a good idea because we've already banned cars in certain areas to calm down the traffic. But to take bus passes off 
those in need of the bus passes. It's just a horrendous idea. Okay, and Anne McLeod says no sympathy for Natalie McGarry. She knew what she was doing. It's, if it had been a man, there would have been no discussion about this, or would they? Thank you for that. Uh, you got another one? I have one more. It's a short one. Andy says on Twitter, you can't steal 21000 from a charity and go on holiday with the money and not go to jail. Thank you very much indeed for your calls and your company today on Scotland's Talking. Uh, we're back, of course, next Sunday from 10, looking at the world and the news in it as well and see what's happening next week.